Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Adam Klickfeld. So we'll start a little shiur in Parshat Lech Lecha, where every Lech Lecha shiur should begin with, and that of course is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So there's a scene from uh, that movie that, always, that stuck with me as a kid, and it comes back to me now. If you remember, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, that uh, this is the third Indiana Jones installment. And what they're going after is not the Lost Ark, which is the first one, and not some weirdo thing from the second movie, The Temple of Doom, but the chalice that may have belonged to Jesus that is apparently hidden away in some, uh, in, in, in some cave, and you have, to, you have to go through several different trials to, to find it. And um, Indiana Jones is after it, and the Nazis are after it, because according to the legend, if you drink from it, you have life eternal. And there's a group of people who are like, you can't tell. You don't know if they're the heroes or the enemies. They're they're trying to stop Indiana Jones from getting it, and Indiana Jones is the hero. So you feel like you need to be against them. But they seem to be so humble and pure in their uh, motivations, even though they're doing anything they can to stop it. And at some point, there's like a encounter between Indiana Jones and one of these representatives. I forgot the name of their group, but the guy says to Indiana Jones in a very earnest tone, right? Um, because the, the cup is supposed to re- represent the, the glory of Jesus. So the guy says, so Indi- uh, Mr. Jones, Dr. Jones, ask yourself, you know, whose glory are, your, are you pursuing, his or yours? Right? The idea being that this group of trying to protect the chalice is trying to protect the glory of Jesus, who to them is the Christ. And you, Indiana Jones, are you after personal glory or are you after the glory of the sacred. And I think it's actually an interesting question every religious person, every person in general, but every certainly every religious person has to ask ourselves. If we ask it too often, we can get so self-conscious, we can talk ourselves out of piety. But there are also times where we puff ourselves up in our religious identity or our national identity, and it's fair to ask ourselves, are we doing this for the glory of God? Are we doing this for the glory of Israel? Or are we doing this for the glory of self? And if we're doing it for the glory of self, maybe that's okay because that's a human urge. But ought we need at least be at least be a little bit humble and transparent about it? Okay, with that in mind, I want to go back to where this journey all began, which of course is Lech Lecha, and an interesting machloket over the generations as to what is happening the moment that God taps on Avram's shoulder. He's not Avraham yet and sends him off on this journey. And if you look at the, the title on the top of this source sheet, it'll, it'll, the title will make itself evident over the course of the little shiur. The title, Shushan, a rose garden, oh, I should say a rose garden, not a rose garden, and what Aliyah is for. Okay, um, j- just for the sake of the people who are on Zoom, I'm going to do all the, the reading, but if, we have inter- if you have questions, please ask them, but I'm just going to read the text. Normally I'd call on people, but I want to make sure everyone can hear on Zoom. So this is the first pasuk that Marshall read a few minutes ago. Vayomer Adonai el Avram. God said to Avram, Lech lecha, translated a hundred different ways. Lech from the verb lelecha, meaning to go, to walk. Lecha, to you, walk to you, take for you, go yourself. It's translated here as go forth. 
we'll come back to it. It doesn't really matter how you want to translate it. What I want you to focus on is that it seems to be uh, both alliterative, lech lecha, right? It's really, if you take the vowels out, it's lamed chaf, lamed chaf. Um, so it's somewhat kind of interestingly redundant. Um, and certainly, if you, if you understand simple Hebrew, lech would have been sufficient. Go. What is the lecha for? Every single rabbi has ever lived has tried to ask that question, answer that question at least once. Okay. Me'artzacha, from your land, from Haran, where he was in what's now probably Syria. Umi moladetcha, from your birthplace, from moledet, like Yom Huledet. Umi beit avicha, from the house of your father. El ha'aretz, to the land, asher ar eka, the land that I will show you. Okay. Rashi famously, on this verse, tries to parse out what the lecha is, right? The verse could have said, God said to Avram, Go from your land. What's the lecha? Lecha is built from the preposition lamed, which can mean two or four. The cha ending means you. So Rashi is basically reading this. Lech, go lecha, for you, for yourself. Meaning, I'm sending you on a journey, not for my benefit. I don't need this. I'm God. I'm sending this, you on this journey, for your benefit. So Rashi expands lecha to lehana'atcha, for your benefit. Ulatovatcha, for your own good. And Rashi expands. In what way is sending you from the place that is familiar to a place that is barren and unfamiliar good? Maybe it's good, Avram could say, it's good for you, God, because you get to launch a people, but why is it good for me? Ah, Rashi says, I'll tell you why it's good for you in God's eyes. Sham escha legoy gadol. Avram, here you're a nothing. You're a human. You're anonymous. You're a single person on the planet. But there and only there, escha, I will make you legoy gadol into a great nation. You want to put yourself on the map? You want to get a lot of hits on TikTok or Instagram? Follow me. Go to the land of Canaan. That's where it's going to happen. It's not going to happen here. You benefit. Kan iata zochet levanim. You stay here, Avram. Remember all those years you and your wife Sarai have tried to have children, you haven't been able to? That's gonna stay that's gonna stay exactly the same. You will not merit children here. You're only gonna merit children there. So so far, two benefits, right? One, you'll be a, a numerous people. Two, you'll be able to have children and ancestors, uh, descendants. And third, the ode, and furthermore, Sheodia Tivacha Baolam. That I will make known, odia, from de'a, meaning knowledge, but in the causative he feel, tiv'acha, your teva, your nature, your character, ba'olam, uh, in the world. Meaning, you're going to become numerous, you're going to be a dad, and you're going to be famous. Here in Haran, you'll be at home, you'll be comfortable, but you'll be childless, you will have no clan, and no one will ever have heard of you. It's actually an interesting question, which one we would choose? Right? Not that that question would ever be posed to us directly, but, and people might answer it quite differently. There's some people who prefer to have a quiet life without the burden of raising children and no one caring what they do. That's, that, there are certain days where that sounds quite lovely, right? But the human urge is to propagate for the most part, and the human urge is to be a person of some renown, and the human urge is to leave a mark, a numerical mark, that there's more of us, of, of my, of my family of my seed when I'm gone than when I arrived. So Rashi says, Avram, this is for your benefit. Comes about 500 years later, 600 years later, 
the, the commentary called the Siftei Chachamim, literally the lips of the sages, uh, written by Rabbi Shabtai ben Yosef Bass, 17th, 18th century Poland. And he basically does an expansion of Rashi's expansion. This is going to be a little bit repetitive. So he's quoting Rashi. Where, when Rashi says, Sham es gadol, there I'm going to make you a great nation, Avram, wrote Selomar. What does this mean? When Rashi says, I'm going to make you a great nation, that is modifying the phrase that this is going to be for your benefit and for your own good. And on that he commented, What is so good about where I'm being sent or where I'm sending you? That there is the place where I'm going to make you a great nation. And what is the benefit? That I'm going to make your character known throughout the world. One second. I'm not sure I want to, I want to do this, the rest of this passage. Yeah, we can leave that there. So the Sitei Chachamim basically makes it uh, quite clear that Rashi's understanding is that the making of a name great and the making of a family populous and the making of a character known is to your benefit. Okay, if we stop here and we follow this line of thinking, Aliyah, even though geographically it's Yerida, right, he's starting from the north and he's coming down south, but we always think of going to the land of Israel, whatever geographical uh, compass point we're coming from as an Aliyah, right? The reason why Avram makes Aliyah as a word to Israel is for what purpose? What? To create a great nation and for his own good, right? That we are sent on this journey towards Israel because through Israel we will become bright and through Israel we'll become blessed for our glory. God does not say, I'm sending you there so you can make my name great. The opposite, right? I'm sending you there so that I can make your name great. It's kind of the inverse of the religious thrust. The religious thrust you would think would be that I will, you know, like, you know, when, when the Mormons go on the, on the mission, they're going not to make them famous as a missionary. They're going to make Jesus famous as the one being missionaried about, right? But the beginning of this journey, according to this line of thinking, is not so that God's name will be great, but that Avram's name will be great. Okay. Um, go to the next commentary of Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav. I couldn't find, I found this beautiful teaching by him. I couldn't find the exact citation. I like giving the exact, exact citation of a text, but I couldn't find it in this case. He's commenting on Lech Lecha Be'artzecha Umi Moladetcha. Yesh Bnei Adam. There are some human beings. Shemit Amrim Belibam. Lehit Amer is a great Hebrew word. It's built from the word Omer to speak. It's in the Hit Pa'el reflexive. It's to speak about yourself. It's to boast. Lehit Amer means to boast. There are some people who boast Bilibam in their hearts. Ki ohavim heim et Israel. Oh, do I love Israel. I love that place. I love the hiking. I love meeting friends I haven't seen since camp, since that summer in camp. I love the falafel. I love seeing the, you know, the, 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 the rebirth of Jewish sovereignty. Boy, do I love it. And they want to go up to it. They want to take a trip. They want to move there. They want to uh, redo Avram's original journey. 
But how do they want to go? They want to go in expanse, in comfort. They want an air-conditioned bus. They want a beautiful breakfast in the morning at the hotel. They want to make sure that there's always bottled water on every hike. And they, 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 they want to go and be financially comfortable, right? That old joke, how do you, you, know, how do you make a small fortune in Israel? Go with a big one, right? Uh, you, they, 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 want, they want this aliyah to be comfortable. Uh, Rabbi Nachman of Rastam is obviously talking pre-state of Israel, about 150 years, but even then he's talking about whatever Hasidim or Jews he was living near, who they had this fantasy image of going to the land of Israel, and boy, it's going to be great for them there. But they don't want to go if it's going to be a source of distress or hard for them. Otsa'ar. Or pain. No, they, they have plenty of pain and distress in Odessa. They don't have to go to the land of Israel for that. They want to go because it's going to be great. Ratzon kozev hu. This is a false desire, Rabbi Nachman is saying. It is a false desire, and in some ways, he's speaking contrary to Rashi's interpretation of Lech Lecha. You don't go to Israel for your benefit. And you don't go to Israel because it's going to be comfortable. And you don't go to Israel because it's going to be fun. That is a false, anti-spiritual desire. The one who wishes to ascend to the land of Israel, and again, he's not talking about citizenship or making it or, uh, you know, declaring that they live there, but making a pilgrimage, right? Aliyat Regal is a pilgrimage. Sarich Lalechet has to go afilu beregel, even if you, it takes you there by foot, which, by the way, when Rabbi Nachman of Rasta was living, was basically how you got to the land of Israel. Right? You basically walked from Eastern Europe or, you know, or went on wagons um, to get there. You have to go there by foot, ube and with exertion and strain. And Rabbi Nachman of Braslam finds a proof text for his line of thinking from the very proof text that Rashi used to explain, oh, Avram, this is going to be great for you. Rabbi Nachman of Braslam interprets it, opens it the opposite way. Just as God said to Avram, our father, Lech Lecha, go for yourself. Except that Rabbi Nachman of Braslam doesn't focus on yourself, he focuses on the Lech. Lech, walk. Halicha mamash, an actual walking experience, baregel, using your feet, which are going to get tired and weary and cut up along the way. And now he uses this phrase, which he, Rabbi Nachman Braslov, uses a lot. And I don't have a great way of translating it because it doesn't have a whole lot of usages in other rabbinic texts. It's a very rare, even though the Hebrew itself is not hard, it's hard to know exactly what he means by it. Betil tulei drachim. I translated it. I spent, I want you to know, I spent 45 minutes with a chavrut of mine on Friday trying to translate these two words. We went deep into the sources to find it. So I, I went with the itinerancy of the roads. Teal tool. Teal tool is a word that when it comes to the halachot of Shabbat has to do with carrying. You're not allowed to carry on Shabbat around an Arab. That's considered teal tool. But the root word can also mean migration, and it can also mean burden. So I think what he's saying here is not the carrying, but if you want to get yourself to Israel, it's going to require a real walk. It's going to require weary feet and all of the vicissitudes of the travel. It's not getting on the nonstop, at, uh, the LL nonstop, and flying in a comfortable seat 
and being fed three meals. And I mean, that's how we get there. But that's not what Aliyah was originally meant to be. It was you had to earn it, right? Remember that old Smith Barney? Was it Smith Barney commercial? We make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it, right? Um, John Hausman, anyone? Anyone? That great actor? Okay, good. I just don't know if... Hello? Is this on? Um, so uh, Rabbi Nachman have said, no, when you get there, you'll know that you'll really have earned it, and you'll know that you're not going there for you, even if you're happy when you're there. You're going there for Israel. You're going there for God. This is a really fascinating machloket, which I think is still playing itself out today in modern Zionism. And that goes back to the title of uh, I put on there, Shushan, a rose garden, and well, Aliyah's for. Let me give you the Shushan piece, and I'll give you the rose garden piece. My cousin, my grandmother's first cousin, of whom I've spoke several times in this community because he's a he, he was a huge influence of mine. Um, was really the Zionist patriarch of our family. His name was uh, Dr. Yisrael Eldad Scheib. Grew up in Poland. Uh, was best friends with a young man named Menachem Begin. Uh, they played sheish uh, and chess as they went baregel on their feet from Poland to Palestine in the 1930s and you know, hopping on trains and you know, camping out in the middle of the night and they got there in the 1930s. Um, Begin, according to my cousin, became a lefty and joined the Irgun, uh, and my cousin uh, stayed with the, with the Lechi uh, and was the intellect, basically the intellectual uh, force behind the, the Lechi resistance movement. He wasn't a fighter; he was a he was the, the the author of all the pamphlets, the underground pamphlets, the Machteret. He was he was a a firebrand Zionist, an extremely extremely. Uh, good man, uh, an extremely wise man, extremely ethical man, and an extremely passionate Zionist. And he had a very interesting interpretation of the Purim holiday, right? In modern Jewish lore, Purim is frivolity, Purim, Purim is masks, Purim is Boo Haman and Yay Mordechai, and you know, celebrating this Jewish community's defeat over annihilation. My cousin hated Purim. He hated Purim because he saw the Purim story through the lens of history. And he said, "What's going? if we historicize the Purim story, it's taking place maybe in the 5th century BCE, somewhere in the 400s. And even if it's, even if it's entirely fanciful, that's the time where it's in place. What's happening in Persia in the 5th century BCE? Well, I'll tell you what's not happening. What's not happening, he says, is forced exile. Forced exile is 586 BC by the Babylonians. The Jews go off to Babylonia. Seventy years al Naharot Bavel, they wept on the Babel on the water by the waters of Babylon. Seventy years later, King Cyrus Korush comes and defeats the Babylonians and basically says to the Jews, "You want to go to the land of Israel? Go to the land of Israel." And what do some Jews do? They follow Ezra. They go to the land of Israel. They build a second temple. And what do some Jews say? Well, what's in it for me? I speak the language here. I have synagogues here. I have synagogues. I know it's, a, it's a, an anachronism. I have a Jewish life here. I'm comfortable here. Is it going to be better for me there? Right? So the origins of some parts of Mizrahi Judaism are from the Jews who didn't make Aliyah in the 5th century, 6th century BC. They stayed. They stayed and they assimilated. They stayed and they assimilated and they named their children Mordechai, which sounds really like a great Jewish name until you realize it's probably a name for the Babylonian god Marduk. And they named their daughters Esther, which today is a beautiful Jewish name, but it's probably named after the Assyrian fertility god Ashtarti. 
and they participated in beauty pageants and they slept with the uh, with the with the pagan king and they celebrated it right this was his very harsh critique of shushan says so shushan is not my um is not my my idol. I don't want to sell, spend a day celebrating Shushan. Those Jews should have made Aliyah, he said. Not because it would be good for them, because it would have been good for Israel. And had they made Aliyah, there'd be no Haman. There would have been no one to destroy them or threaten to destroy them because they wouldn't have been Mephoraz spread out. They would have been back in the land of Israel where they belong. So as an ardent Zionist, he sort of, he obviously was a religious person, so he celebrated Purim, but he railed against it because he would have taken Rabbi Nachman of Roslan's view of Lech Lecha. God did not send Avraham to the land of Israel so that life would be easier. God would send Avraham to the land of Israel because that's where his destiny was. And you Jews of Shushan, and he would say this to the Jews of America, and he said it to me and my parents and my grandparents, what the hell are you doing in Connecticut? What are you doing in New York? What are you doing in Los Angeles? No one's stopping you from going to the land of Israel. Lech lecha me'artzacha. Eventually, kibbutz galiot, the ingathering of the exiles, will actually actually happen, and you realize that the destiny of the Jewish to be the land of Israel. So I've lived my life since I've learned that from him, both inspired by that and in opposition to it, because I live my life here, right? But there's a piece of me that wonders if the reason I did not make Aliyah when I had opportunities earlier in my life was because it would have been hard. It would have been challenges to overcome that would that I would not have faced by having to create a life here. And I don't quite feel guilt about it because I think all of us are doing a beautiful job trying to build a diaspora. Maybe heaviness is a way of saying it, not a guilt. And the rose gardens, as you know, Zionists of a particular ilk may identify with this uh, slogan. My my parents, my parents have, have subsequently left the Zoom, but had they been on the Zoom, I could have turned the turned the um, the screen around because I could see they were sitting in our family room, and on the wall on uh, our family room has been a poster. It's been sitting over the bar for the last forty years, and it's a poster for the 1970s. And the slogan was, "I never promised you a rose garden." Right, and it's an image of of the thorny, hard to produce, um, you know, uh, grains and flowers piece of Israel, which is basically saying you came back to Palestine to turn it into land of Israel, not because it was going to be the Riviera, right? Not because um, you, your individual life would be beneficial. Right? To think about the waves of Aliyah, right, um, and the uh, the, the, the ways in which our, our, our people were true halutzim to create the small beginnings of what is today the state of Israel, I'm sure they had individual moments of joy and satisfaction in their life. Uh, and I'm sure some of them were coming because life was miserable in the Pale of Settlement and escaping the pogroms. But they were motivated not necessarily or, or completely by individual personal freedom and joy but because they felt that the Jewish people had to build a future in the land of Israel. And life was not a rose garden for them, right? Or if it was a rose garden, it was created because of yigiyah, because of exertion, and because of dochak, because of what the Rabbi Nachman of says, going through the challenging times. So to bring it back to Indiana Jones, right? We are, you know, modern American Jews for the most part. Uh, I, I, I presume, although you, I could always be wrong, that, that all of us have a identification with Zionism as well. And we love visiting it, and I love visiting it. And it brings me joy to visit, and I, uh, it, it brings me a sense of uplift. 
And I'm humbled by reminding myself of the question that Indiana Jones did not have a good answer to, which is that when I feel a sense of glory, when I'm walking that land and I'm visiting and I make my own personal aliyah, is the glory that I'm seeking and the glory I'm experiencing my own? Or is the glory that I'm seeking and the glory I'm experiencing the glory of the land itself and what the Jewish people have been able to imperfectly and yet also magnificently build there. Uh, and I think that is a worthy question to ask uh, on nearly every religious act. When I bow for the Aleinu, am I bowing in such a way that brings glory to God, that I, as I show my, my obeisance and I show my presence, or glory to me as I show everyone how well I know the prayers? When I, when I belt out a, uh, a song in a service, uh, what's the balance between my personal enjoyment of a spiritual high, which is okay, because we're not an ascetic tradition, and the actual goal, which is to bring honor to the Kadosh Baruch Hu, to the Holy Blessed Creator of all of us. So it's an irres- um, uh, an, a non-resolvable um, tension but attention that I think it is worthy of our being a little more um, aware of as we go through it, because there are many glories out there within reach. The land, the God, the people, our own, and uh, a balance of them is probably a healthy religious and Zionist dance. So um, I spoke longer than I expected to, um, and I would have, and I didn't stop to ask questions, but it's not because I wasn't um, interested in people's thoughts. So let me pause here and see if anyone has any comments, questions, or reactions. I kind of got in a roll and, and didn't stop. Uh, comments, questions, or reactions, either by the Zoomers or by the people in person, because we do have a minute or two. Oh. Tada. Tada. Latus. Right. Well, I... I you know, I would. The question is, you know, does that mean that the next time we go to Israel, we have to take ourselves by foot, right? Obviously not. It's a metaphor. We can fly, but I, I do think it's worth at least pondering how we make a trip to Israel, not merely a vacation, right? Not, not merely a joyride. When I take groups to Israel, I want them to have a good time. I do. I want them. I mean, I, I live in the modern milieu in a capitalist capitalist culture. I want them to feel good about the money they spent, and the, I want them to stay at a nice hotel and feel good about that. And I want them also to have left a mark uh, on the country or on the land, and to experience some sort of um, uh, of selflessness and exertion on behalf of the land. You know, whether it's spending a day. Uh, you know, working for an organization called Leket, which goes to all the fields of the kibbutzim, and they, um, you know, after the after the first um, harvesters go through, they 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 leave plenty of fruits and vegetables in the field that may not be able to be sold at Supersol, but they are certainly good fruits and vegetables to be given out to people who are indigent. And so Leket comes through uh, and collects tens of thousands of pounds of produce that ends up feeding the hungry that would not have been sold at the you know at the, at the A grade in the supermarket. Right. That's a way of, you know, having, you know, of spending some of your time in Israel, realizing that the glory of others and the glory of God is more significant than how good our, you know, uh, how good our, our, our shawarma is or our, um, what do you call it? The, the limonada, the, the, the limonana, which is refreshing at the end of the day. Anyone else? 
May we all have the merit, the zechut of making our aliyah to Israel uh, sooner rather than later, and may we do it with an awareness of whose glory matters the most. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.